Welcome to Business Line's State of the Economy podcast, where you will find insight, analysis, and the story behind the numbers. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the State of the Economy podcast of Business Line, where we cover the real estate sector, its outlook. Today, we are with Ms. Nidhi Marwa, the Group Managing Director of the Executive Center. The Executive Center, as we all know, is one of the premium flexible workspaces in India. And apart from India, it has a strong presence across 15 markets of the Asia-Pacific, Middle East. There's a presence in 33 countries. Welcome, ma'am. Thank you so much, Abhishek. I'll just start with the question. The first one, obviously, is would you like to run us through uh, the Executive Center's journey in India in 2022? Some numbers would be helpful. So the Indian market contributed about 15 million to the global EBITDA of TC, which was a 31% year-on-year increase from last year's EBITDA. We also saw uh, the demand strengthening uh, with the average occupancy of our workspaces going up to about 92%. We so, saw a renewal price hike also of about 5 to 8% on an average. We also therefore focused a lot on expansion, which was demand-led, adding about a thousand workstations. These are your top-of-the-line, great experience workstations, uh, about a thousand of them to our existing Indian markets in 22. And ma'am, going forward in 23, let's say the calendar year 23, what is the outlook for the Indian market from the executive center side? So we continue to have a good expansion pipeline. We are definitely going to add about, so we've already signed on for five more centers in India uh, across Bangalore, Hyderabad, Gurgaon and Mumbai. And this itself would be about one and a half million square feet. But beyond that, we are also exploring our options to expand in 23. There's been a lot of discussion on slowdown in the global market scenario. Mm-hmm. Do you see an f- impact on that in India as well as your operations at the moment? And again, going forward, any outlook? Yes, we are not in a silo. So somewhere the ripple effect will reach us um, in India. And by us, I mean the Indian economy. However, uh, we have proven our resilience, you know, even during COVID times and and that too, when you're talking of billions of people, I think our our resilience remains our forte, and that is where we've really tapped into the potential of the consumer base over here, uh, as well as the talent pool. So, you know, you have the entire world literally refocusing their attention on India. So yes, whilst there is a cautious approach to this year, I think it's not as bleak as it is being made out to be in the rest of the world. I I think we are riding a good wave. And as long as we can be mindful of the opportunity, we should be okay. Who exactly is driving the growth for you in India? And also when you see this slight optimism in India over global, what exactly is driving this? When I say is what categories, what sectors, where are your numbers coming from? If you can share some details as for you as well as the market. So India typically has been one of the fastest growing service sectors in the world, right? We've also become a major exporter of IT services, BPO services and software services. Um, The IT industry continues to be the largest private sector employer in India. But you know, when you add to it, the other emerging industries like the e-commerce markets, like manufacturing, like healthcare and and of course flex 
these are the major movers uh, you know in 22 wherein you are seeing more and more every eyes coming into india you are seeing uh, a renewed focus into tapping like i said into both the consumer base as well as the talent pool of india so i think that is the driving force you know when it comes into india for example the gcc numbers if you see you know earlier gccs were only supposed to be you know global capability centers they were essentially cost drivers and therefore india had a great you know where else do you get mostly sub dollar rates and so on and so forth but it has also transitioned from being cost vertical to strategic business enablers and value creators and still india is on top uh, you know when it comes to providing gccs these are all factors which are contributing to us having a very steady growth despite the turbulence of the times again you play in a category that is nowadays defined as the premium space even though it's flex workspace on a larger scale and it's a subset of the real estate sector you play in a category that's called as premium space or what in common parlance is called as grade a office spaces how mm-hmm. does that differentiate your positioning from let's say some of the other workspace players does this have an impact on numbers in the long run at the end of the day i think the last few years have been a learning curve for us that sustainability is key and employees are actually assets and who need to be really taken good care of so the workplace strategy has moved kind of repurposing with the help of design and employee engagement so when you talk of premium office or lux office you're actually talking of an employee experience need to want to be in office now when you talk of that need you are talking of people who would want to be back into the offices voluntarily who would want to have uh, you know open plan for collaborative collisions a space which promotes wellness it focuses on utility consistency you know touched out areas it's not just product so when we talk of ourselves as being a great space a great value proposition it encompasses all of these things that i spoke to you about the experience from the drop off point right into the offices is what we are talking about and we've been doing it for the last 28 years there is something to be said for experience also every few years we all get this palpitations about the upheavals in the economy post that we've learned to um, navigate through all of those and evolved with experience that has also helped we and that is what puts us into a premium category it's not only about costs value proposition If this question is rephrased and asked to you, when you consider yourself as premium, what difference in rentals do you command over, let's say, a general player? And also, are clients willing to pay that extra premium today, considering the slowdown factors and the hesitancies on that? firms have realized that uh, a big portion of sustainability is your people. You know, you take care of your people; they'll take care of you. a wholesome experience employee uh when they are in innated uh, workspaces the work and the spaces in which we work have itself been redefined when we charge uh how others charge there's so many players in the market in different price bands what we do is give a value proposition which talks about everything you know integrating technology it's it's essentially technology it's flexibility it's speed is interface it's all of those things and that is why when you give a wholesome package it is accepted uh, much more um, easily by the members and that is where we have done extremely well covid okay. test was like an asset test for everybody 
And they saw that we did not shut down any of our offices. There, there was a seamless operations despite the lockdowns. At no point of time was uh, there a default in terms of giving services or, you know, in, in turn uh, of our equation with our landlords. So I, I think, you know, that itself showcases the the strength of a business and the sustainability of that business. So that has held us in very good stead. Earlier during the conversation, ma'am, you said you're looking to expand into five more cities, uh, Bangalore, correct me if I'm wrong, Bangalore, Mumbai, uh, Delhi, NCR yeah. region. Yes. Yeah, amongst these, amongst five and, and two more. So um, would you explain us how much workstations would you add across these five cities? And also, would you look to get into tier two markets? Is there a demand there? We've confirmed a take-up of at least four more centers in India in 23, which includes Bangalore, Hyderabad, Gurgaon, and Mumbai. We're exploring more options. So um, I'm sure you'll be adding to that capacity. As of now, with these four new centers, we would be about one and a half billion square feet of premium rare space. We continue to look at them, uh, follow them very, very carefully. But like I said, you know, these are all emerging markets. So when you talk of so much space, they're just the, the metros and the big fours are big, but we'll need to um, trickle into the tier two cities as well. So yes, we're following them very closely. And um, let's see, it has a huge potential, I'm sure. So we may come up with an announcement soon. You have been taking these spaces on rent, as I understand. Any plans to develop your own workspace? Is that a model that you've ever explored anywhere globally, as well as is that an option in India? So we've not done that, essentially, Abhishek, because um, locations evolve. For us, it's more important to have multiple grade A locations offering to different takers. For example, a Mumbai was essentially all of Nariman Point in South Bombay. And that is where commercial uh, life started and ended to an extent. And then we saw BKC emerging, right? And now BKC is a hub of it all. The trend has uh, been there in all cities. Look at Bangalore. The airports shifted and therefore a lot of the business shifted towards North Bangalore as well. So as locations keep uh, evolving and, and our middle name remains flexible, we need to be equally flexible in ensuring that we can move around, you know, evolve with the times. And a lot of that is also flexibility of the location. It's not a knee-jerk reaction, but at the same time, one needs to have the freedom to say, okay, this is a new location and this is where we also need to be. Do we really need to have an entire building there, spend three to four years in developing that? Maybe not, because one needs to tap into the early bird thing and get there fast. And that's never easy with, um, you know, a development the other question is India has seen not many, but a couple of REITs in the recent times and some developers have announced REITs again over the last few months. Is yeah. that a model that workspaces explored globally and is the executive center a part of such options, exploring such options? After COVID, I think, uh, and during COVID, we all got a lot of time, all, all industries got a lot of time to sit back and think beyond the ordinary, you know, go really creative and see and do a lot of why not. And REITs, valuations, all of that became part of that exercise and still remains. We are not away from it. We are looking at it. Let's see which way it goes. You know, the recent valuations, etc., haven't gone really well for a lot of the players. But I think 
this industry does um, have a lot more ground to cover before it can become organized, then yes, I, I think we would be a regular industry which does get into REITs and more structure emerging out of this chaos right now. Right now, it's just a flurry of a lot of activity. It needs to settle down a bit. And I think then we would have the maturity to do something like a REIT positively. And I'm talking, you know, from, from the industry's perspective. What I understand is you're talking about consolidation of the flex workspace industry in general. When do you see that happening? Well, consolidation may be a different word. I would want to say that, you know, maturity of this industry, it's still very, very early in India. The other real estate markets and the flex space within those spaces have been very mature. We are still in a nascent stage. The pace of um, this industry's emergence has caught everybody by surprise. None of us expected this. Now it is here to stay on what terms is what the next two, three years are going to decide. You know, we are still in the post-COVID phase. Uh, we're still in a phase where the rest of the, the economy of the world is um, in some state of turbulence. So the next two years are going to decide which way the world is going. And therefore, as like I said, a ripple effect, you know, which way this industry is going um, and how much of it would it contribute to the GDP of, uh, you know, economy. I think two to three years is what I would say that uh, would give us a very clear idea about how massive an impact that this industry would have on commercial real estate. Question remains is where does India stand for TEC globally? That's mm -hmm. one. And two, going forward, where do you see it placed in global rankings for T, uh, the executive center? China remains our largest market, but obviously we've been there for the last almost 28 years. In India, we've been there just about 15 years. And we're already the second largest contributor to TC's, um, you know, global profitability. I think in the next few years, given the pace that we are in, and if all cross your fingers goes well, I, I think we would be a very strong contender to lead TC's growth and expansion. And if I may ask for the neighboring countries where you also have a presence, let's say Sri Lanka and others, how does how do these markets place compared to India? Obviously. I'm presuming it's not as big as India, but how do these markets react in general? React, when I say react, is to these demands in general. What, what is the markets there? We hardly know beyond India, China. So some of these neighboring countries, how do these flex spaces play out there? Okay, so if I look in, in, in my rear view mirror, I would say um, China is a massive contributor. It's just so fast to, to adapt things, to adapt to things and to adopt things. It was doing really well before COVID hit it. Um, Hong Kong was one of our key markets, but Hong Kong has had its fair um, challenges, you know, geopolitical, etc. Australia is also a market that we are in and we are expanding. Japan has had a setback, but it was one of our toughest and strongest markets, and I'm sure it will gradually emerge out of that. Southeast Asia has, I would say that it's tapped into the challenges of the rest of the Eastern world and really made it an opportunity. And therefore, you know, everything from a Singapore to a Malaysia, all of those, Vietnam, Philippines, all of those have done well, expanded far more rapidly than they would have done had it, you know, in the pre-COVID phase, for instance. Now, if I look into the fast forward, India and the Middle East will 
are currently the most resilient when it comes to all of these um, changes. They remain so during COVID times. And these are the two regions that one should really focus on. Thank you. Thank you for being on the podcast with Business Line. Thank you.